2023, a year that has been full of major challenges, but also incredible blessings. Join me as I actually bring my family into the podcast to talk about some of the really challenging seasons that we have experienced this year and the dynamics that have played out as a family unit. So join me today as we discover the things we are so thankful for during this Thanksgiving season. Welcome everyone to your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. I'm Beth McCord, your Enneagram Coach. And today we have a very special day because we're going to do a Thanksgiving episode just for you guys. We're going to change it up by bringing my family into the picture. We're going to talk about this year. Man, I don't know about you all, but our year has been full of major, major challenges, but also some really true blessings. So buckle up because you're going to hear from my husband, Jeff McCord, who's a type six, my son, Nate, who is also a type six, my daughter, Libby, who is a type two, and her husband, Mark, who is a type nine. So what I'm hoping is for you just to see the interplay of our types, how we've used the Enneagram now for over 20 years with our family, and how our kids are really using it in their own personal work and the personal understanding of self-awareness and growth and the blessings, the consequences, the good consequences of doing that hard work in these really tough seasons. So if you've ever wondered, like, is this really worth it? Is this Enneagram stuff? Like, is it going to help when my kids are older or with my coworkers or other certain, certain circumstances with relationships? It does. It absolutely does, especially when you need it the most. So join me today as we talk about this really hard year and what we are most thankful for. All right. So let's dive right in with the McCord family. So y'all get the McCord family. Here we are. So we've got Nate, our son, who's a type six, and we've got Libby, our daughter, who's a type two, and her awesome husband, Mark Christensen, who is a the best type, type nine. <laughs> um, anyway, so we came here. I'm Jeff. Okay. <laughs> she didn't mention me. I'm a type six. <laughs> I'm your husband of 28 <laughs> years, working on 29. Oh, yeah, you. Me. <laughs> yes, and Jeff, my husband, 28 years. Um, So anyway, we were trying to think of, like, what do we want to do for a Thanksgiving podcast? And I really wanted to bring us together as a family because we've kind of gone through quite a year. I would say it could be the most significant year of our marriage. Yeah. Um, so 2023 has had a lot of ups and downs, or you could call it challenges and blessings all mixed together. And I thought it would be helpful for people that listen to our podcast regularly or who are really enjoying the Enneagram. How does a family use the Enneagram in everyday life? Um, and since we've had so many highs and lows, I thought it would be really helpful for us to kind of just talk through our year and, you know, what it's meant to us in the challenges, but also the blessings that have come from a lot of these things. But also, how has the Enneagram helped us as a family 
and personally navigate through each of those particular seasons. So I'll start with um, around March, both my parents at different times, 80 years old, both fell. Um, thankfully, did not hurt themselves uh, significantly, but definitely was a wake-up call to their age and stage of life. They were still living independently in the home that they've had for 25 years in Kansas City. And we all kind of became aware, like, can, now's the yeah, time to move. Can I share the story of your dad, uh, him being a seven when he fell? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll integrate even the Enneagram into this <laughs> part there's of it. There's a lot of humor in some of these things. In some, Yeah. There's a lot of, that's what I said. Like, there's a lot of blessings in disguise in all of these challenges. So here this is a really hard moment, you know, like my dad fell down part, part of the stairs mm -hmm. and it was very significant and a wake up yeah. call. I mean, but he, he, did... he was picking up a package at the door, lost his balance and had to kind of back up into the staircase. Right. And so it, he wasn't near the case, staircase, but right. kind of backed into it and slowly kind of slivered down the stairs. Right. But he's an Enneagram type seven. And the whole time, like he's your mom's on the phone. No, no, you didn't hear. No, me. not at okay. the time. No, uh, but mom was at the top of the stairs, kind of across the railing, and th it's an open staircase, so you can kind of see all the way down the stairs. And so, dad started falling down the stairs. Well, my dad, being a seven who loves to reframe and keep everything positive, well, my mom is one of the most phobic sixes on the planet, very fearful, always thinking of worst case scenarios. I know she couldn't have planned on this thing. Like he was so far from the stairs originally, but here he is starting to go down the stairs. Well, my dad knows my mom well enough that as he's going down slowly, he's going, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I, I love that as an image of seven going through a, significant situation. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> Assuring his six wife. Yeah. And thankfully he ended up really being okay, though it was obviously very traumatic and, and fearful. Yes. They, you know, needed to call the paramedics to make sure. Well, I, wasn't that precipitous to him deciding like we need oh, to Oh yeah. It was that day that they said, okay, we need to move <laughs> to Nashville. To move. <laughs> we're, we're not safe by ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So so that was the beginning of a really strong, sorry, Nate, go back there. So that was the beginning of a really long stretch, um, about two, three months of really caring for my parents, where um, not only was I trying to help navigate their, their move and, you know, getting, you know, rid of stuff, you know, from a distance and having someone help them do all the, these things while they're in Kansas City and I'm in Nashville, but during that time, my mom ends up having a compression fracture in her back. While and, packing for the move. Yeah. Like and it, she's packing for the move, just being, doing little she's things. She's being faithful and dutiful, doing things that she shouldn't be doing as an 80-year-old woman, but she can't help but feel responsible and ended up hurting herself. And so Beth is taking total control of finances. You have hired staff to care for them uh, in this interim period. We've hired a realtor. Uh, we've got movers coming in. She's putting all this together. 
while also developing uh, new products for our coaching community. We launched during that time our mental health professional certification. We opened up enrollment for uh, our coaching program again. Like all of this is going on March through May and Beth is back and forth to Kansas City, Mm -hmm. could be weeks at a time. And then when your mom... And literally sleeping next to her, like on one of those hospital recliners that are so uncomfortable, but really being there and being her advocate um, during her whole stay there and in the rehab. And that was really, really trying times, you know, Um, knowing that my mom wasn't at a place because of pain and medication to know and advocate for herself and to always be there, but also keeping mind of my dad, you know, and his needs at home. And this isn't my home. And even though I grew up in that Mm -hmm. city, I, I don't have the same resources as I would had I been here in Nashville. And so I'm really juggling all of this alone. Um, now, my brother did come in and relieve me for for one week, which is super helpful. Um, but for the most part, you know, I was really the sole caretaker for my mom during that season. So, Nathan Libby, what was that experience like early on in the year watching what your mom and your grandparents were going through? We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90-minute sessions, and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. I mean, I think it was, for me, it was challenging, one, because at the time, me and Mark knew that we wanted to get pregnant, and I never thought, like, oh, my grandparents won't be able to meet my kids. Like, they're healthy. They're doing great. And me and Nate haven't had any close family members pass away yet in our life. And so it was, like, the first time we kind of, like, hit the reality of, like, oh, they are getting old. And, like, time with them isn't always promised. Um, and then it was different with what was happening with y'all was – y'all were super busy and like y'all were trying to figure out work stuff while handling that stuff. So it was kind of like dad was always giving us updates because we didn't want to overwhelm mom. And then we were like trying to help her. But like you said, I mean, you were so far away that there wasn't really much we could do because we can't advocate for like 
better hospital care. We can't really send y'all food because you already had that figured out. So it was very much just a like, all right, we're just going to trust the process. And whenever we can help, we will. And just trying to figure out, especially when they actually did move here, it was like, okay, let's try and like help as much as possible to get mom to rest because they'll be fine. But mom needs more care right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for those that are listening, so Libby, you're a type two, the nurturing supporter. And so for you, I'm, I'm curious as you knew there was great need and this is your family and yet you couldn't do anything. Like, I mean, you could pray for us, you know, you can send encouraging texts, but like you said, I didn't even have margin and space to even, like, I don't, I didn't even hardly talk to you, Jeff, very much. I mean, it was a little here and Mm -hmm. a little there maybe throughout the day, but I, I was so consumed with 24 hour care for what was going on and just the back and forth with my dad. I didn't even have the space and the margin. So what was that like as a two to know there's a great need and yet there's really nothing you could do? Yeah, I think I feel like I've prepared myself well for that um, of just kind of accepting that that happens in life where people need help and I am not the person to help them and having to learn that that's not a problem unless I make it a problem emotionally um because I knew that you knew that we would be there in a heartbeat like we planned on even visiting if needed and um like I remember falling asleep for two hours while we were moving them in because I was newly pregnant and no one knew and I was like so exhausted and couldn't stay awake um and so like for me it was like all right whenever they need help they'll tell me and it actually won't be helpful the more I try and interject and so I kind of just reminded myself like I actually am being helpful taking a step back because like when you did get here, I was actually able to be very present and like talk with you about how you were doing, what's been going on and be kind of somebody that you could open up to because you didn't have anyone to talk to there. And also we were like ready to move and do all the things for several days for Gammy and Papa. So it was Mm -hmm. kind of just having to like change my mindset of like, just because I'm not doing something now doesn't mean I'm not helpful. It actually whatever is most loving to that person is most helpful for them. And I want to ask me you too, but I think I want to bring a clarifying statement to this point, Libby, is that a lot of twos will say, but I have to help. Like there is a need and I've got to do something. And what was interesting is giving me room and space, like leaving me alone, pretty much having kind of autonomy and independence and me asking for what I need when I needed it, like trusting that I would do that was the very help I needed. Mm -hmm. Like if you had intruded and pushed your way in to ensure your, you know, that you're helping, that you love, that you care, it would have actually caused me more stress because now I would have to be worrying about you and making sure you feel like you're being helpful or needed or wanted, but you trusted that I loved you, whether you give help or, or you don't give help and that I know that you're right there. So I think using the Enneagram en- enables us to have that conversation where I could say to Libby, like, hey, I'm so glad you want to you want to be helpful. I don't even have the time to talk to y'all. Like, I. I love you, but I, I can't even go there right now. And so can you just trust me? So having that conversation so that Libby would know, hey, I love you. You're doing excellent. Leaving me alone is actually helpful. I know it's hard. Um, 
But for me to have that conversation and you to trust me was so important in that season. And then when I was here and I did actually need like, you know, boots on the ground to help me, you were there too. So I think that's important for twos to hear that it's not always about inserting your help and actually being there. Sometimes humbly just, just seeing the situation play, you know, at hand and waiting for someone to invite you into that space is actually the most beneficial. Yeah. So Nate, in this season, uh, you had just, or actually, no, you hadn't, you were <laughs> packing to, to move back home because Nashville's so expensive, though you've done a great job saving some money for a down payment. It's pretty crazy here. So you're like, Hey, I'm going to move back for a couple months, save up some money and then find a place. So we were in even that transition. Mm-hmm. So we hadn't, I mean, the week oh. that you're the week that uncle Mark, um, you know, took over for you was the week right. that I moved in. That's right. When I came home for one week. So yeah. In between <laughs> you helping them move is, and then the week that you got back moving them was launch week for yeah. our certification <laughs> program. I think and, I've, I've tried to forget numb and check out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not even over yet. I mean, it, we haven't even talked about all, uh, July and August. Uh, okay. So. And we had one of the biggest, I mean, this has been one of the biggest transitional years um, in terms of uh, the YEC team Yeah. Um, going down to, you know, probably one of kind of the smallest amount of employees that we've had in a few years. Right. Um, and so tons of like, adjusting and adjusting and and everyone kind of trying to um kind of hold on so not only was it like you know you trying to do all that in kansas city but then for dad as well trying to steer the ship for yec yeah and because i couldn't i mean really the the team had to step in on my behalf on everything that they could do that I didn't need to do. Obviously there's some things I needed to do and I needed to be present for, but I mean, y'all did an amazing job freeing me on so many levels. And I know Jeff, you took a big step of faith because we've always been committed to you being the face of the company, having come out of your own desire um and calling to wanting to honor that and then now we're in a season where you're just not even available and so different team members having to step up uh in different areas and to be the face of the company whether that be the special webinars that we offer or libby doing social media people just had to operate without your leadership And the team responded well. Yeah, I mean, I, they did amazing. There were a, there was a providence in it that we didn't yeah. expect. I was so proud of everyone. So Nate, with all of that, in you being a type six, uh, particularly a social six, that also leans into some counterphobic six, where you you want you're a team player. You feel there's a lot of you. You want to take up the responsibility. You want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to help mom, to help the team. You also can't do anything from afar. Um, what was it like for you to kind of watch all of that unfold and and the things that you had to carry? 
Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, Libby, I really admired you through that time because I thought you handled it really well. And I know for both of us, we both struggle with codependency. It looks different, um, but it runs in similar uh, lanes. Um, but I think for me, it was really, really tough, especially then moving here because I was also in it every day. Um, and yeah. Um, yeah. And then just kind of being someone um, who in the past, like a lot of leaders um, have, you know, maybe seen kind of how much I can hold or do as I help people, um, you know, it kind of reinforced this lie in my head that um, I can keep piling on things um, in terms of helping others or kind of, kind of savior complex stuff. Um, so it was really tough and it was really sad to see, um, you know, how rough things were in Kansas city. Um, I mean, even the, the movers, well, specifically the Packers. Yeah, that was really rough. I don't know. I mean, the people that packed my stuff were really bad, but the people that packed their stuff in Kansas City, I mean, you could barely call it a moving company. Yeah. It was really bad. And, um, I and bet so that ignited a lot of frustration for you as a yeah. six. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the injustice stuff and like, why you know especially being a social six um i think a lot of the questions um i seem to ask from a critical space is like why do people not care about a certain quality of service um mm -hmm. because for me like it's hard to qualify in a sense but um you know there's almost like no limit to the loyalty that a yeah. six can have um, when it's people they care about. And so it shows up in work as well of, um, you know, why would I not give my very best all the time? And so that was very, very frustrating and tough to see. Um, but yeah, it, it was really hard knowing how the two of you were also individually struggling, um, just being away from each other, um, yeah. as well as just how much you had to carry and that I could pretty much do nothing um, was very challenging as a six. Um, but I think this year in specific, has been a year um, for myself of like really learning what it means to be loyal to myself mm -hmm. and not just to others. Yeah. And, 
you know, we can talk more about that later in the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that was definitely one of the bigger seasons that that message in specific was kind of ringing um, in my head, you know, kind of through each day. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, at, at the time, I don't think I was actually doing that great of a job of believing it. Um, but I think throughout the year I've gotten much better, um, at trusting, you know, if, if the listeners know our Enneagram internal profile of listening to that beloved child Mm -hmm. part of, uh, my heart kind of saying like, allow the Lord to, um, protect and to help. Um, and very similar to Libby of help, you know, help in ways that are asked and, um, and if they're not asked, then, you know, you can always offer, but not, not exactly like, um, you know, just trying not to insert myself, um, that may be either boundary crossing or um, or you know just not what's actually needed at the time. Mm-hmm. So we went through that, and, and just a little update on your parents. Yeah, they are that's what's, thriving. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. So uh, we finally got my parents moved. Um, after my mom being literally in the hospital or in rehab for like six weeks, me being Up there until the whole time. The night before they left. Yeah. Um, and so we were able to move my mom, you know, she was able to fly um and come here and we got her them into their apartment, but then like two days later she was back in the hospital with another compression fracture. Thankfully that one resolved much more quickly. I forgot about that. But she was in the hospital. Then your dad ended up going yeah. to the ER. And you're... Like the whole first month and a half of them being here was just as turbulent and almost harder because I also had to pick up some things at work. And so I'm juggling their doctor's appointments, you know, well, and finding new doctors. Yeah. Finding new doctors, getting them established, getting them, you know, you guys helped unpack their house, you know, pretty much in a day and a half. And Anyway, so there was all of this stuff going on, which was super hard. And as a nine, we get overwhelmed really quickly. And <laughs> I was definitely overwhelmed. But at the same time, I really well, brought in fair to parts. say a part of you. Right. That's going to say. And then I brought parts like my type one part really helped me to get very detailed and organized. I mean, I was organized. Like people were amazed at how organized I was. But if I didn't, I would pretty much lose, you know, my mind pretty much because there's so much going on. But you guys, again, you guys all helped chip in, whether it was giving me the space, the time, uh, being uh, mindful of how overwhelming this is. You weren't, you didn't have expectations on me. Like you guys really came through for me, I would say in a whole new way that um, meant a lot to me and it really sustained me through, mm-hmm. through that season. Then we moved into, uh, two really kind of fun seasons. So my parents are doing amazing now. Um, but we, we got into two fun seasons, uh, 
the first is less exciting as the second. The first was I had to go straight into book writing, which I know you're like, how is that? Okay. That's really great, but it was a lot of work. So I went from one major thing to another major thing and had to, with uh, some of my team, put together pretty much a book, which is going to be uh, the Enneagram for moms coming out next summer. But we had to do that like in a month. So because I had all this other stuff going on, I had to push it and push it, and push it. So then we're like cramming and trying our best to get this done, which was awesome and super stressful at the same time. So that was a blessing. And the better blessing was Libby and Mark, you got pregnant with our yeah. first grandbaby and he's still cooking. So he's not going to be here <laughs> until the end of February. But, you know, I think that gave all of us, you know, a sense of excitement I will also say in the moment, I was also like, okay, now I'm like in a Big Mac because I've got grown children and parents that need me. So that's the sandwich. And now I'm going to have a grandbaby. So that's like the Big Mac. <laughs> like I'm just, so there's part overwhelm, but also mainly just, you know, elation and excitement, but that's in itself, you know, in some ways, big challenges and stuff like, you know, how, how is Libby feeling? You know, how are you and Mark doing? You know, what does this mean for your life? So what was that like for you guys to really kind of transition from this really kind of sorrowful experience to this great high? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's challenging at first, the beginning of the year, I was experiencing several health issues already. Um, and he had had some, and so we were kind of like, the beginning of 2023 we were like we're not gonna go to that many doctors we're gonna fix our health and then, then i was like wait if we're gonna get pregnant we're definitely gonna be seeing a lot of doctors <laughs> like that's not gonna stop um so like it it we started to feel a lot better and doing a lot better and it was funny he actually knew i was pregnant technically before i did because i didn't think i was and he was like no you should take a test like i really think you are and i was like there's no way and so we like barely have a video of us knowing because technically the first test, I don't even think I recorded it because I just was like, I looked at it, put it down. And then I was like, wait, I think there was something. And it was like the faintest thing in the world. So I had to go take another one. Um, but it was kind of strange because it was in a season of like both of our set, like families were super busy. So it took a while until people were in town and also not drowning for us to like tell people. Um, Cause I don't even remember at what week we told y'all. I think you Which, were, nine. I mean, you were, yeah, you were much further along than I think you would have told us. Yeah. Um, it was no, none of us. I had no none idea. None of us expected it. Yeah. Cause like, like it I, was, we had like, it was Father's Day. It was late. Like it was a belated Father's Day gift yeah. that you surprised us. It was like um, pretty late. I was just so taken aback. It was amazing. Because we like, um, there's several things with like um, deficiencies that I had that I, we knew like I needed to fix before we got pregnant. So I just in, ended up just telling people like, oh yeah, we're just going to fix that. Like we're not even thinking about it right now. Because then I realized like, well, now I want to surprise people. And we had like hinted to people that we were kind of thinking of having a kid. Um, but yeah, so it was really great. I mean, it got hard because right as you got out of that stuff with giving a papa, right. I entered into the most exhaustion I've ever experienced in my life. Um, yeah. So here you're, it's like, okay, Libby, it's time for you to step in and help. Right. Like, yeah. okay, now you can do your thing, like what you're great at. And your body was like, uh, no, literally cannot like you did, yeah. but not at the level you would have enjoyed or preferred. Yeah. And you couldn't tell us why, <laughs> like, here I am in my parents' apartment and 
everyone else had left to do something except for you were there and you're on the couch falling asleep and I'm like literally putting things away and unpacking. And part of me was just a little part of me was like, huh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. That's so not like, like Libby, but okay. Hey, she's tired. Like she's been helping me unpack for hours and hours, but you know, whatever, you know, that's kind of like, that's such a nine response, right? Like, okay, whatever, you know, I guess, you know, something, she's just tired. Um, but now of course, looking back, I'm like, Oh, that makes so much more sense. I remember Mark knew right before they left to go pick up, I think it was like a TV for them because it had broken. Oh, that's right. And I knew as I was falling asleep, I was like, if no one wakes me up, I'm not going to wake up. Like that's just how exhausted I was. And so I'm like banging around, like, you know, like putting stuff and not like not to wake you up, but I'm just, yeah, I'm packing. I think I slept for like two and a half hours, at least two hours. And Mark got there and woke me up because he knew like, she's not going to wake up and nobody knows that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, what was it like for you? Because you had to take care of me <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was, um, it was really cool. Because like, like Libby said, she knew that the way to be most helpful to you was to step back. But then when you got in town and we were moving everyone in, I was, I didn't know how she's going to respond because on the one hand, she's in person now, there's things to do, like she's going to go for it. But I also knew that she is incredibly exhausted. And so I I knew she was going to do whatever she needed. Um, But it was, it was good because, you know, obviously like you can still do things, Um, but it was kind of funny that she just knew um, when she needed to shut down and take a two and a half and, hour nap, she would do that. <laughs> Mark, as a type nine who you can't reveal that your wife's pregnant, I'm assuming you kind of had to step up your kind of flexibility and accommodating spirit. Like, Hey, what do I need to do for Libby without letting everyone know that I'm, you know, yeah. trying my best to navigate all of this. So with that, it was, I kind of tried to take on just like who I am and like how much I enjoy helping. But then when Libby couldn't do as much as she uh, would normally do, I would try and take that on as well and Mm -hmm. take both sides as I enjoy helping, but I also want to cover for her so that I can protect her and what she needs, but then also not be like, Hey, she's pregnant. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) Cause there's like times what that was a show right where that happened on a show where the girl was pregnant so the guy was taking her shots as well oh yeah because like it was remember what it it was for me it was i mean i would go from high high energy perfectly fine to literally in one minute it happened one time we were driving home and in a minute he saw me go from like painful exhaustion like I was it literally felt like mental agony I was so tired Mm -hmm. and he was like what is going on and so like we're dealing with all of that while like the family's trying to secretively yeah yeah and like we kept getting nervous because I was like I was like I want to tell them like we would have told y'all then but I was like it's not the time to tell my mom that I'm pregnant (laughs) like I want to be happy and she'll want to be happy and right now it's going to be good news but also overwhelming well, it's also really helpful in some ways um, because, you know, here I am writing this book, The Enneagram for Moms, and it's like, oh, you know, I mean, of course, I was already invested in it, but it's like, oh, I get to hand something on to you, you know, as you begin to parent and 
um, have your own family. So it was just like really a sweet time. Okay. So those were two like really great highs, you know, writing a book um, and Libby, you being pregnant. But what we didn't know is the hardest challenge of the year was yet to come. Well, I'm assuming you're talking about when our daughter decided to no longer be our social media manager. No, but <laughs> yeah, they did do that. They did. People do that. loved her. I know. Well, and she abandoned us for a much higher paying job. Disloyal. And as, daughter, as a me as a mom, I'm like, yes. Go She's for a her. prodigal. Yes. May she enjoy her pig food. <laughs> So yes, it's really funny because it's like once again I was like, can't tell my parents right away because they're also my bosses. So I'm like not sleeping well at night, like typing up responses to figure out how to negotiate stuff. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I know I'm pregnant, and I like, what if this all tanks and like we have no money and like y'all are over here just like dealing with your own stuff? And then I was like, oh my goodness, this is not the time to do this, but it all worked <laughs> out great. Okay. But no, that wasn't what I was talking about. So in October, so we, I literally finish the book manuscript and I'm thinking, you know, I'm scotch free. I, I can just kind of chill finally, but of course, no, because, you know, we've got another, you know, big project with a company that needed more time from me than I realized while we go on a vacation which really was a work vacation. Yeah. We were just going to work from the beach. Yeah. Cause our friends were there and we were like, Hey, can we kind of like, you know, we've never crash done your a vacation. Beach trip. <laughs> so we were there really to work, but to have some fun. So we yeah. were there and then we went to a retreat and that whole time I'm working. But the thing was, is that when we were on the beach and what's interesting about this story is you hate sand. Like, I don't even know if there's been a time where you and I have walked on the beach together like that's how much you dislike it but our friends were there and they were like hey I mean, we I have to go the other time we were on well no we've done a cruise where there's been a beach okay i mean but the point being <laughs> after 28 were, years when we were dating you were at north myrtle beach we yeah but that was like beach no but that was like concrete beach this oh. was this beach that we were at recently was this is a very in-depth conversation sand. about <laughs> the kind of sand that dad likes and doesn't like well, there's a big difference and people that are listening, they're like, yes, totally big difference. So, so this beach we were at in October was fluffy sand. And so our friends needed to walk, you know, about 50 yards to get to their chairs, to get all their stuff and then head their back little to their spot place. Yeah. was down the beach from our hotel. They so we, walked over to the hotel, meet us. So and we, then we walked thought, back. okay, well, we'll walk with you. So my friend and I were walking ahead of uh, you and her husband. So we're like walking along and then I turn around and, and you're like literally leaned over trying to like, kind of take a break and a breath, like a break and a breath. Like you were really exhausted. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Like, I mean, here you used to be an athlete. You're, you know, not that old, 48 years old. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. So I kind of took note of it, but then, you know, we finally got to the place and we sat down and, you know, cause I, I wasn't that exhausted. I mean, it wasn't like fun. I don't really enjoy walking on a beach like that, but you know, it was okay. So anyway, we took note fast forward going through the airports and stuff. You kept having those kinds of experiences of really just feeling spent and exhausted when you were walking. And so then 
about a week or so later, we were going to go to the Nashville soccer game and it's up on a hill. And you said, Hey, I know this sounds kind of weird, but could you just drive me up the hill? Cause I just, I don't, I'm going to get a doctor's appointment, but can you just do that? And I was like, yeah, that's kind of weird though. Can I take your blood pressure? So I did. And your blood pressure was high. Now I don't know a lot. So I had to like Google it and everything that I found was you need to go to the ER. And so I was like, Hey Jeff, I, I think we really just need to go to the ER. It's a Saturday. So we can't like really go anywhere else. And you, and I think you, you didn't even like really bat an eye. Mm-hmm. You were just kind of like, okay, yeah, let's, I know something's, something's going on. I don't know what, and I feel pretty fine today, but obviously something's not okay. So we went lo and behold, long story short, they kept you for the whole weekend because certain things were showing that you had high blood pressure and maybe something was happening with your heart. Come Monday, they did an angiogram and found that you had lots of blockages to the point where they were like, okay, you can't even have a stent. You need to go get bypass surgery. That took my breath away. I was not even expecting that because they were kind of like, Hey, I don't even think you're going to have blockages. Maybe you'll need a stent. And then all of a sudden you come back and they're like, no, we're taking him by an ambulance right now to the best, one of the best heart uh, surgery places in the country. Thankfully Nashville has incredible health care. So here I am trying to get a hold of the kids. I'm trying to get a hold of my parents, letting them know what's going on, your dad and head over to the hospital to figure out what is happening and what's so next. That would have been on a Monday. Mm-hmm. And the thought was, maybe we do this today. Maybe we do it Wednesday. And so I'm there or at the new hospital. The next day or Wednesday, yeah. And we linger through the night not knowing whether or not this was going to happen. And then the next morning. They rush in or like, now's the time. We're doing it literally right now. And I didn't even almost have time to let the kids know to come up. They didn't even get... They saw you the night before, but they didn't even get time to say goodbye to you before you went into the um, surgery. And it was just super, super hard. Um, now, you know, they felt very confident. You know, these are surgeons, you know, at one of the best hospitals. They do it all the time. And that's wonderful. That was awesome and great. But my husband, who's my best friend, is literally getting wheeled in to do quintuplet bypass surgery. And I don't really know what that's going to mean or what is that? I had to, just didn't even know. So the kids finally came up. We spent that time together. The hospital was amazing. They called me several times during the procedure, letting me know that you're doing very well. Um, and you did, you did very well. Um, but here we are. You literally, what is the day? Even today it's the 14th. Yeah. So it was a month ago today that we went to the ER. So it's almost been a month since you've had bypass surgery. Mm-hmm. You've gone through a lot. We've gone through a lot watching you go through this process. All of our feelings and emotions of not really knowing what the result was going to be and dealing it with it within our own personalities and perspectives, defensive strategies, all those things has been really hard. But before I talk to the kids about, you know, what was it like for their type to go through this process? What was it like for you as a type six to learn the severity of what was going on and learning you 
we're going to go through major surgery. Um, you know, on a very personal note, so I was adopted uh, and have not had a, I don't know how to say this, maybe a historical experience of my body. Mm -hmm. So I never had parents that told me, oh, your grandfather died of this or this runs in the family. You know, it wasn't until I found- or you couldn't blame anyone. Like our kids a lot of times go, thanks mom and dad for this yeah, thing. Yeah, got this from you. <laughs> I mean, whenever I did find my biological mother and met a uh, full sister and two half sisters, um, there were definitely some things that came to light. Like, oh, wow, I look like these people, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, kind of fun and a new experience for me. So I didn't have history, but uh, my biological mom did eventually die of breast cancer. And- my full sister also got breast cancer. And so there was some thought that maybe that could be genetic and it wasn't, but, uh, and then there are just some other illnesses that ran in the family. And we would discover that in the middle of all of this, that everything I was going through runs in the family. Yeah. Uh, it seems like every, yeah. so I, I'll be honest with you, most of my life I'm vigilant about stuff, but as it related to my body and health, I felt very powerless, like mm. this is inevitable. Mm. I don't know when something's going to happen and I'll just have to deal with it, but it does. And so there was a sense of surrender, like, okay, this is just the moment now. I don't know what it is that is causing me to have trouble breathing because it wasn't like I was having a heart attack, but it was definitely something different. So that was a, that was a big one, like, okay, I'm, this is the significant moment for me. But number two, uh, there was a strong sense of shame and betrayal um, that like I look at now, look what I've done to my family, where now I've taken the this primary position of sufferer where everyone's going to have to accommodate to me. And that just felt horrible. Like, and there was nothing I could do about it. Uh, even on days like today that there's this dynamic of melancholy that I experience after I exercise in the morning. And there are just times that I have to ask for things um, that I would never want to ask for from someone uh, with that kind for someone to help. And particularly for Beth, who's already gone through a very significant year. I mean, <laughs> I laugh because there've been situations where Beth and I walk into doctor's offices oh, yeah. And I can't drive, so I have to ride in the back seat. So she is kind of a chauffeur and caretaker. <laughs> so weird. But she will like treat me the way that she treated her parents. Yeah. And like initially, I, and I have I to walk tell her up like to the front. I get the papers. I'm like going to fill them all out. And he's like, Beth, I, I can do that myself. I, and I'm, I'm an like, adult who can take care oh, of myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had to learn to kind of. But even like uh, I even one time uh, Caesar Melander and Chitcher Chitcher, she was about to walk up to the counter. I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, okay, sorry. I have to do this. Yes, yeah, I'm been well. I mean, being a mom, you know, of, of kids and doing that all the time, and then transitioning to help my parents in the same way. But the first, you know, two week or two, even with after your surgery, I mean, you couldn't do quite a bit and I had to fill in the oh, gaps. It was the worst. So yes, but there was that time of like, oh yeah, like you can't take, take over your healthcare and do things and 
um, so that, that was a sweet, funny, hard lesson to learn all at the same time. I mean, after when I woke up from the surgery, uh, you've told me that I said multiple times I made it. Yeah, I made it because I really did think like I, I, I was going to die or at least there was a high risk of dying um, because it happened so fast. I mean, probably within 30 minutes, you know, someone came into the room. You're going to have surgery this morning. Doctor came in. Everything's going to be great. And then a nurse comes in and starts shaving my legs. I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and, so weird. And right before they really kind of knocked me out. I mean, I, I said, Hey, can you bring my wife back? I'd like to talk to her. And then walking down the hallway and I don't remember anything but waking up and in the ICU. Yeah. So guys, that's when you all really kind of came into this mix is walking in to the ICU or the first time you saw dad in the ICU and in your own types, what was this experience like to have such a young father go through such major surgery, what was all of the emotions and thoughts that you were going through from your type's perspective? Nate, why don't we start with you real quick? Um, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> um, I think, and I'm curious if everyone agrees on this, but almost since um since the surgery was over i felt pretty much at peace um because of how good of a hospital you were in um and even then like I, oddly enough the surgery itself didn't scare me as much and I think that's largely due to the fact that when they told you you're going to have to go to this hospital and um, have bypass surgery, they said that you would have had a major heart attack within a month and hadn't you weren't going to live past uh, six months. And so that was the hardest to come to terms with was that you might not have ever met any of your grandkids mm -hmm. and um, to know like how much you guys are excited about grandkids and, and just like, just you also being so young um, was like, we weren't prepared whatsoever for anything like that. Now, oddly enough, we were prepared to kind of, fill roles to help take care because of what happened, you know, as we were moving the grandparents here earlier this year. Mm -hmm. But um, emotionally, we were definitely not ready. Um, but I don't think that we've ever had a moment where we worked so well together. Um, and yeah, I think it was a, a huge culmination of like kind of all of our own internal and personal work to help one another, um, attune to one another, and um, to really make sure that we're able to be there for you, Dad, um, to take shifts, you know, staying in the room, grabbing 
meals, um, you know, taking work calls and all the things. Um, so I think that really helped me calm down because it filled that loyalty kind of like, we're going to be okay. You know, yeah, I mean, there was definitely some frustration that, you know, you, dead hadn't really, you know, gotten checked, you know, at all to see if you were pre-diabetic or anything. But, I mean, once everything kind of, um, all the news came out, then it was like, okay, it's just, it's just go time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, yeah, so we love you and super thankful that, um, I don't know. It really was God. Like, I mean, yeah, it, it's crazy, but it went remarkably smooth, like no complications. And at your age, it's just, it's in some ways just unheard of what you've gone through that. I mean, the genetics that you were given, you know, yeah. Yeah, should you have, you know, known a little bit sooner? Sure. But most men, I mean, you felt fine up until this one uh, beach walk. But that's the thing as well, is that it felt like such a God moment because you hadn't been noticing any of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. It sounds like the doctors were saying that you were having them. you, You weren't understanding that those were connected or that they were very problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it was really just one instance that made both of you pause right. and check your blood pressure. Um, but then just to see the overwhelming care from um, all of our friends and family, mm-hmm. just the blessing that the grandparents had finally taken a turn for the best. Right. And so the responsibilities of making sure their transitioning had pretty much gone away. Yeah. Um, at least like 80%. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it, it was remarkable to me and, um, put me at so much peace and trust and not only like our family, but also the Lord that like, we were going to be okay, that you were going to be okay. Um, Yeah. Libby and Mark, what about you guys coming into the ICU and all of that? Yeah, I think um, like at first when it all started happening, we were like, okay, like this is kind of crazy. And then we both were at work um, and I was like about to head to a meeting when you told us that like he needed to head into surgery and um like I remember seeing Mark cry and it was like he later told me he's like it feels weird to say like I just didn't realize like how much your dad has meant to me and like how like hard this is on top of how hard it was for him to see me go through it um but I I will say I feel the same way Nate that like 
I feel like we all gave each other the space to feel what we needed to feel and be sad when we needed to, to cry when we needed to. And it, we, none of us like catastrophized each other's emotions. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, you're not okay. It's like, I remember coming into the hospital um, that you were going to get the surgery and I cried for like a minute just because it was like, all right, this is real. This is a lot. But I knew ultimately I was okay. And um, like the morning you were going to get surgery, I was telling mom, like, tell him we're okay. Like, we're okay that we can't see him because Mark had just left for work and did like a massive U-turn to get me as quick as possible to the hospital. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it was the, cause it was basically like from Sunday to Sunday. It was one Sunday we thought dad was completely fine. Everything would be fine. By the next Sunday, it was like, he had already had the procedure. We were in full recovery. Home. Yeah. And I remember we had gone to church that morning and like I just started bawling during worship because I was like oh my goodness like it kind of just hit me of like I may have not had a father that like today like that could have happened and and or like he wouldn't have met my son and like all those thoughts and just it I remember like typing up and like journaling about it of like it has truly felt like we were just like staring at the face of God's mercy every Mm -hmm. single day like as stressful as it was and so many people were reaching out to us I was like no, I know my dad will be okay. Like, this is really sucky. And it like is scary. But at the same time, I knew the emotion came from the overwhelm of what was happening. But it wasn't I never thought for once, like, oh, I'm gonna lose my dad. Because to me, it was, all right, that could have happened. And now it's not going to happen. And the Lord is providing us abundantly more than we ever deserve. Yeah. Um, and it was nice because he had family members reaching out to him mm-hmm. on like how to help support me in it um because we were pretty exhausted (laughs) it was a lot yeah it was it was a really interesting um like place uh for me and all of the um uh what's the word dynamic Mm -hmm. um dynamic of it all because like i'm not blood related to y'all and so but like as a nine i still want to be that piece that like make sure everything still works um, mm-hmm. and everything's okay. Um, and it was hard. Cause like, sometimes I just had to accept, like, I'm not y'all's biological kid. And so I had to give space as much as I wanted to be in those ICU, ICU rooms and um, just hospital rooms. Like as much as I wanted to be there, I knew that sometimes I had to step out um, to give y'all the space, like as family, um to just be together you know Mm -hmm. um and so it was it was really interesting um for me to like kind of figure that out on a whim um but then it was also really hard for me because as as much as um like you all mean to me one of the things that just kept going through my head was um you know, like I, I love kids. Kids are great. Um, but one of the reasons that we decided to um, have a kid soon is, you know, my family, my biological family is the only part of like the whole family that lives anywhere close to Tennessee. They all live in the Pacific Northwest. And um I, because of that, I don't have much, like, a super close relationship with, um, like, my extended family, 
And I also um, just wanted to take advantage of the fact that like everyone's here and everyone's so young. And so the fact that something like very life-threatening uh, happened, it was just so hard that like, as much as I, I was so close to like, you know, our kid knowing all of his grandparents, getting to experience um, like close relationship with family that lives close, like things that I did not get as a kid. Um, the fact that such a big piece of that was about to be taken out um, just kept playing in my mind. And it mm -hmm. was, uh, it was hard. Um, I like, am like kind of close to choking up about it just cause like, it's still very like new, like this was only yeah. a month ago, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and well, so it was, it was just interesting being in that place, like, you know, letting y'all have the, the time and space, um, and community that you guys have always had for. 20 some years, you know, um, but then also knowing that I'm a part of the family and yeah. uh, trying to support um, in the best way that I can from the place that I'm at. So I so will say as a six, there were some funny moments in the hospital. What were your funniest moments? Libby loved it because I had so many tubes in my chest I would breathe and it would give me a little relief that I'd make a little noise when I would breathe. It sounded like a little puppy making a noise when they're sleeping, like, you're constantly yeah, yeah, making that noise. Um, I think gosh, it was funny because like, when, well, I saw you right as you had gotten out of surgery and you tried to wake up early. And so I stepped out of the room because it was just, it was messing with me a little too much. And they immediately gave you more drugs to keep you sedated. Um, but so then I, the next time I saw you, you were awake and they were telling me how much you like are in and out of it, like just expected to be asleep. And you talked to us for a good probably 15 minutes. And the first, like one of the first things you said is like, yeah, no TikTok times. I'm going to laugh and it's going to hurt. And then you almost laughed. You went, huh. <laughs> you're like <laughs> trying not to make yourself laugh because you're fresh out of open heart surgery and you're just like huh, huh. <laughs> I'm like That's dad great. stop making jokes yeah but. I don't know like I mean I know that there were funny things I guess right now it, it's just too fresh in my mind but so just to kind of wrap this up the the again the point of us coming on I wanted everyone to hear man, you can go through some really hard seasons and challenges, but by doing your own internal work, understanding yourself, what your needs are, and better learning how to communicate that with one another can really shape the times, the seasons of life that are so challenging. Um, I mean, here, my best friend, you know, my husband is going through all of this. And I had to learn to speak as a nine and say what I needed to my kids, you know, like to, to really be honest and forthright versus trying to make everyone happy. And I also had to accept the fact that I cannot make anyone happy. I have literally no control over the situation. I also don't have control of how this is going to impact them. 
you know, and the perspective they're going to take and the pain they're going to have to go through. But that, but by owning that reality, instead of being a nine where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to try and make everyone happy and because it's going to be okay and like do all these things, just letting life play out and being there to support them while also asking for support when I needed it. That's what I think, Nate, you were saying is like, this was the hardest, but also the best experience as a family we've gone through because we were able to navigate our own internal world, not place uh, or manipulate others to come through for us, but own our own part and ask for what we could ask for when needed. And so I just hope that people that are listening, one, yep, the McCords have had quite the season, um, but we are super grateful. We're super thankful for each other. We're thankful for uh, what the Lord has done and giving us more time. Uh, to just enjoy each other, get to celebrate Mark and Libby's little baby boy who will be here and to do it with Jeff. Um, But also just the thankfulness I think each of us have for the tool of the Enneagram that we are able to nuance our conversations, our care, our understanding around each other's type to the best of our ability or to remain curious and ask good questions versus just trying to plow in and trying to help everyone in the way that we would want to be helped. Can I share one last thing that I've not talked to the family about? Sure. So whenever I was uh, sedated, there was no lights, not even like a nightlight. So I'm not sure what's on the other side, but I'm not sure if it's going to look good for me. (laughs) Because I remember just going to sleep and waking up and like things happened. Well, there was no death. So therefore. Like there was no invitation. So there was nothing. So if if anyone's wondering. Was not wondering. You're not going to write a book about your experience or anything? Yeah, it'd be a short book. (laughs) (laughs) A pamphlet. I will say sixes are always the funniest. Like if you guys thought it was some other type, it's not. It's always I, seriously. Sixes. When I woke up, I kept thinking of uh, Monty Python, where that one guy <laughs> says, "I'm not dead yet." <laughs> yeah. And it was fun because like wound. I had like people send in videos of having him get well and everything, and the closer people were to him, the funnier theirs would be because they knew they would make him happier if they were funny than serious. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And well, if I could um, also just add, um, just so people know, like this, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of buy-in from every member of the family. And a lot of us making the mis- mistakes with the yeah. Enneagram, right? Like, because we, I mean, had we always say several... don't use it as a sword as a shield, but we do it and we mess up and we have to apologize. We have to own it. We like this moment in time is a reflection of all the times we have kind of done it wrong and had to work through it. And we've had several large and pivotal uh, conversations with each other this year. Yeah. Um, And yeah. So it, it's worth it. it. It's annoying to always hear it, but it really does start with you 
um, that you have to own your own stuff, your own story, your own um, actions. Um, but when you do that, it allows you to really start to understand what empathy looks like. Um, and when you can be curious with yourself, you can be curious with others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the reason why, uh, you know, just one of the main reasons that we've been hitting on as to, um, why we can also be so thankful for these times is because we really, really were a family and we really loved each other in a way that, um, you know, just could only happen if we had really worked at what it meant to love one another. And so, you know, that's, another reason why we're so thankful for a tool like the Enneagram is it just has really given us vocabulary and, and direction Mm -hmm. um, to learn ourselves and to learn others so that when we did speak up about our experience, we weren't hearing people and saying like, well, that doesn't make sense to me, but more so coming at the angle of, okay, they're not saying this in my language. They're speaking in their own language. Yeah. I can come from a perspective of understanding their language. Um, then allows me to understand where they're coming from and to be empathetic and to care for them the way that they're asking. Um, so it was, it was really beautiful and, and, think we're all very thankful um, to the Lord for just where he's brought our family um, and where he's taking us. Mm -hmm. Um, But just know everyone that it's not, uh, it's not even close to all sunshine, rainbows and butterflies. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta, gotta go through quite a bit, but I, I do have one other funny story to tell. Um, I barely all have the another conversation. One. It's the Enneagram, but it's Enneagram related. Okay. But periodically people would ask us what we do. And when we mentioned the Enneagram, they would get interested in it. They're like, oh yeah, I'm a this, I'm a that. But there was a moment where this, my surgeon mm-hmm. knew her type. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what her type was. Was it three or eight? Yeah. Eight. Eight. And I, I cannot tell you how assured I was in my heart. Like, oh, you got this. Like, it's not another six who's like, I don't know. You may die. I, 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 you never know. And when she came into the room, like post-op, she was like, here's what happens. Here's how he is. And I was like, all right. Yep. He's all good. Right. <laughs> I know he's good. Yeah. You want to tell me the lie? Yeah. She was very So be sure confident. to Enneagram type your doctors. Yeah. <laughs> no, I felt very, very reassured with her. Um, okay. So what I want to say is to my kids, including Mark, you are our kid. Um, love you guys. I'm proud of the hard work you each have done on your own story or knowing yourself, um, remaining curious and going through the highs and lows all while continuing in the path of growth. 
because it matters. And I know a lot of people always say, oh, if I only knew the Enneagram when I was younger. Well, I'm just thankful that you do know the Enneagram when you're young, in your early 20s, and you are using it at such an effective rate. I know it can be really irritating and frustrating. So guys out there that you're listening, you're like, oh, I wish my kids, guys, using the Enneagram all the time is hard, like, because you're constantly faced with your internal world. So that's why I'm saying, Nate, Libby, and Mark, I'm really proud of you for continuing to do the work you're doing because it matters in these big situations. Then lastly, I want to say, I love you, Jeff. And I'm so grateful that I get all this extra time with you and to have new adventures and new stories, to be grandparents together. And I'm super thankful that in your, not only you have you modeled for the family internal self-care, but I can tell that you are now going to model external physical self-care because you're doing everything that you're supposed to do to get well and to stay well. And for that, I'm super grateful for your loyalty and your love for yourself, but also for us. So anyway, I love you. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for just spending time with us. And we hope that you guys have an amazing Thanksgiving and that you celebrate all the highs and lows together. We'll see you next time on Your Enneagram Coach, the podcast.